for all your financial needs. This is Money Talks. All right, we're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Jarrett McKenzie and Casey Smith. And uh, we are here to answer your financial questions, so we'd love to hear from you. If uh, you have a question, you can call our question hotline at 1-855-429-9166. All right, uh, we got some serious stuff to talk about here, so why don't we get at it? And uh, Not that hedging is not a serious thing. Corporations do it all the time, and if you have certain inputs, like a mattress, into your business, and uh, you can uh, you can hedge um, against the potential loss, and you know sometimes it's a smart thing. But uh, let's talk a little bit about Jerome and Melinda, who are uh, repairing, preparing, <laughs> repairing. They're preparing to retire in three years, and they've spent the last few years working with their advisor. That's a smart thing on moving assets to fixed investments. Uh, making sure retirement accounts are consolidated, and, of course, getting enrolled in Medicare. So um, their situation is Jerome will be receiving receiving a – man, I can't even read today. Got some tongue twisters They'll in this thing. He'll be receiving a substantial severance package from his company, which includes a buyout of his ownership interest. Uh, Jerome and Melinda want to take the severance package and pay off their mortgage on their home – so they uh, enter retirement without mortgage debt. And that's pretty common, too. Very. Although maybe not the smartest thing always. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, their advisor recommended refinancing their existing mortgage instead, lowering the monthly payment and freeing up their windfall for investment, emergencies, or living expenses. So, guys, sounds like a situation that uh, you might run into from time to time, being a financial advisor. Uh, what's your take on it? Yeah, it's an extremely common scenario, especially given that the people that would find themselves in the situation or similar one probably came up during the early 80s when interest rates were 15, 20%, and this wasn't even a consideration. You know, this has only come about recently because of, as we were talking about at the beginning of the show, the continued decline in interest rates. And right. the, the math has become an incredibly uh, sensible for this because if, if, it's becoming so cheap to borrow money and you know a lot of what you would be paying in interest can be covered even by a, a simple dividend on some of the safest companies around if you can also get back your liquidity that in retirement you're going to need more than anything just about you know that that paycheck is stopped and liquidity is becoming paramount again well if you can get that liquidity for such a cheap price that you can then offset in large part by you know, just the yield on, on other investments uh, and the income that's being generated by it, all of a sudden it becomes a very sensible conversation to have with your advisor and just a financial planning conversation. You sure. know, do, do I want access to my money and do I want to pay a small interest rate that can be offset by, again, the income from your portfolio for the most part? Uh, again, not always... It's not always been a conversation we can have, but uh, we certainly can now that interest rates have declined to the extent that they that they have. And so this situation in particular, which we can dive into some details about and kind of walk through this math to show you all how, how this works out, uh, is something that I think is worth considering. It's not for everyone. Some people should do it. Some people don't need to do it. Yeah, well, the math is, is really easy and I think straightforward enough to answer that question pretty pretty quickly. You know, because of the fact that the interest rates are so low, it's a very low hurdle that you have to offset with your 
other investments and, and things that would help you to justify paying an interest rate uh, for that money. But, you know, the interesting thing to me is that because of the conventional wisdom of, you know, paying down debt and, and going into retirement with your mortgage paid off, which are great goals. I, I always tell people it's never a bad idea to pay down debt. And, uh, you know, if that's something that you can do and it's not going to be of detriment to you, uh, then by all means, pay it off because, you know, behaviorally that is uh, going to make you feel good and, and it's a good idea to do. But if you think, too, that you have people that a lot of folks, in fact, are planning to use equity in their homes for, say, sending their kids to college or uh, other things that they might need for spending purposes, right? But then nobody thinks about doing that for retirement, which is the time in your life when you don't have a paycheck anymore. Right. You spend all these years and decades even in this accumulation phase where you're used to getting a paycheck, you're saving to your investment in retirement accounts, you're watching that grow. All of a sudden, retirement comes along you're in this distribution phase now where not only does the paycheck stop, but you're starting to pull from the account, the same one, in fact, that you have been watching grow all this time and, and start starting to watch it reduce. And the mindset becomes very different, I find, with a lot of clients once they've actually gone through that transition, because up until that point, they're always still in this mode of, I need to pay the house off. I don't want that. And again, not a bad goal, but what good is not having a mortgage payment if you don't also have the money that you need to live off of right. to pay the tax on that property, the insurance, the light bill? I mean, all these things. You can't spend your house. Exactly. So right. when we're in a time like we're in and interest rates are so low and you've got such a low hurdle rate as a result, why would you not take advantage of that instead of waiting until you find that, oh, man, maybe – we do run a pretty good chance of outliving this money and we need to refinance the house or sell it to get the money out. And then either the, the housing market is in a bad state or right. interest rates are much higher, which they very likely will be considering that they're at historic lows. And I mean, frankly, can't go much further. Yeah. Uh, this is a conversation that not only has there, it, it's not always been a conversation, but probably will not always be one. Yeah. Uh, I think it's the, well, the times we're in. And let me bring up another thing, Jarrett, because that's a very good point. And, uh, you know, a lot of people do have this mindset that they want to be debt-free in retirement. And for good reason, because your income is going to go away, so you're not going to have the income stream to make those payments, right? So I understand where people are coming from. Um, but think about it this way, and especially the way that we invest with the 10-year rule, uh, I would make the argument that you're almost safer to have a mortgage when you're retired than when you're working. Yeah. And the reason is because during during your working years, you're making that payment with income from a job, presumably. Well, how safe and secure is that job? Yeah. You don't know from year to year. Whereas with the 10-year rule, if you're setting aside 10 years worth of those payments in fixed income investments that's not going to fluctuate with the market and you're having bonds that mature when you need the money, mm-hmm. then you can – you're pretty much assured that you're going to have at least 10 years worth of payments set aside. And every year that there's uh, the market's in a good position to sell and and refill that fixed income bucket, then you're going to have continual 10 years worth of money in that fixed income bucket. So uh, you've got the money set aside to make the payments. So therefore it's almost, you know, Mm -hmm. as safe as if, if you're spending it from income, you're making those payments with income. In this case, you're making payments out of your assets that are set aside, and you know they're going to be there when you need to spend them. Yeah. Uh, Jared, just mm-hmm. to, to kind of follow on, making a couple of points myself, sure. uh, uh, one thing we usually talk about in our first segment is where interest rates are, and we didn't really touch on that other than, you know, talking a little about uh, the the uh, Treasury uh, yield curve normalizing, and, and it is doing that. But if you look at the 30-year mortgage, mortgage on average across the United States, 
This week, uh, 3.98%. That's very low. Uh, you, you seldom see it get much lower than that. Um, and, and uh, you know, to your point, uh, people, you know, when we, when we just use um, our, our own base thinking without thinking deep enough, mm-hmm. uh, it is common for us to try to pay for college. Yeah. Which you can borrow for college where you can't borrow for retirement. Right. Um, but you could almost use the argument that if you borrow for college and let the kids help, you know, pay that off. Mm-hmm. And if you left the mortgage on your house, you really are borrowing for your retirement if you if you want to make a bit of a stretch. But, sure. you know, in this case, uh, your house might be the only way that you could actually borrow for retirement and and if you're doing it at such a low interest rate you know you go back to 1925 and we've done studies on this Mm -hmm. uh, at Hensler Financial quite a bit Um, when you look at the details the S&P 500 while it's volatile and we want to get you out of it uh, with any money you might need in the next 10 years uh, its return on average is about 10 and a half percent so if you measure that versus the five four percent rather you're going to be paying on uh on a mortgage, uh, you yeah. know, why wouldn't you rather invest the money? Yeah. Well, think about a 30-year loan. I mean, that means that if you've got 10 years set aside to make payments that's in fixed income, maybe earning, you know, pretty low interest rates, 2 3%, but then 20 years worth of money can be invested in that equity market that's going to earn on average 10% a year. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Well, and the most compelling point to all this for me, which I've had a conversation with a number of clients about, that is even if you are – over age 70 and a half and already taking required minimum distributions from your retirement accounts. Let's say you're not yet there because you are facing retirement in the next year and you're, let's say, 62 to 65, you know, still years out from being being forced uh, with that requirement. Now, the vast majority of people, baby boomers specifically, that would be looking at retirement right now, have, I find, saved to one type of account all their life. Probably yeah. 401k because they, they very commonly have stayed with one company. And guess what? All they have is tax-deferred money. So you're going into retirement pulling more from a retirement account in which you're going to be taxed at ordinary income rates when you don't have to because you've paid your house off mm-hmm. and you have all this after-tax money that you could live off of and also give you a tax benefit yeah. before you're being forced to pull from that money. So immediately, if you were to do this and you otherwise only have after or excuse me, tax-deferred assets – then you're immediately better off because you're going to lower your tax liability and allow those assets in the tax-deferred accounts to continue growing in that manner for years to come, which is the whole reason you put money in the tax-deferred account in the first place. And you make a good point, too, about the tax deductibility of mortgage. Mortgages are still tax-deductible up to, what, $750,000 on your primary home? Yeah. So you you can take a mortgage out. If you're going to take a 4% loan um, at for a 30-year note and you're in the 25% tax bracket, then your hurdle rate's only 3%. Yeah. So you only have to get 3% to outperform the, the interest that you're paying in your mortgage after taxes. Yep. I mean, that's pretty uh Well, and like you said deal. earlier, nobody places a value on the liquidity. That There is a huge value oh, if you are a retiree. <laughs> Absolutely. It's opportunity cost, yeah, but and it's going to be different for all of us. You can't apply some you know, value across the board. But I would say that is a missing piece that too many people overlook and say, to what extent is that liquidity valuable to me? I I need access to that money to live now. And I've got it all tied up in my house. And as you said earlier, Casey, you can't spend your house, right? So you, you need access to it. And what better time 
when you've got some time to shop around and, and look at the different places and options you have than being forced into that at some point down the road, all because, you, you know, that's right. where you've gotten to. When it's not an Casey, opportune time to do it. Right. right. And Casey, uh, you know, I, Jarrett was mentioning how, you know, a lot of folks save to their 401k. Guess what? At the end of the game, you don't have an option as to whether or not you're going to take the money out. The government forces you, the yeah, IRS exactly. forces you to take that money. So you will be taxed on it at some point in the future. Uh, it's not... It's not if, it's when. Mm-hmm. And we've been talking at length about uh, whether or not to to uh, get rid of your mortgage before you retire or in retirement. And, uh, Jared, I, I want to go back to that just for a second and talk about uh, briefly. Uh, Jerome and Melinda's advisor had told them that maybe what they wanted to do was refinance. So they still have a mortgage. It's just not as big maybe as the one that they had. Sure. That sounds to me like a compromise between, you know, what they wanted to do, which is get rid of the mortgage, mm-hmm. and what we might tell them to do. But mm-hmm. I, I wanted you to expand on that. Now, is that what you're saying? Just leave the mortgage as it is, or maybe it is a good idea? Well, I think you, you do refinance. the. You, they call it a cash-out refinance, where most banks will let you take up to 80% loan to value. So let's say you have a $500,000 home. You could presumably take up to $400,000 out, even if you had, let's say you had $50,000 left on your mortgage because you're coming up to retirement, you're, you're trying to get that paid off, and now we're saying, okay, well, instead of paying off the 50, why don't you go back, refinance, do the cash out refinance and get a mortgage on 400, and effectively, because you still owe 50, they give you $350,000 out of your home to which you could then go set aside, as Casey was saying earlier, ladder out for 10 years so that you know that mortgage payment is getting covered each month, and then put the remainder into growth investments to help you grow that money a lot more than what's probably, and you could speak to this better than us, Troy, but that the, the growth of a business is going to be much better over time, I think, than the growth of a home. Sure, and the reason is because it captures inflation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when, when inflation occurs, it, it starts at the producer level, where right. prices go up on them, they then pass it on to the consumer. Before you know it, it's in their revenues. Yep. And, and we all know price to sales seems to stay steady. But if sales are growing, revenues are growing, uh, you also see the price of that business in the in the stock market grow. And mm-hmm. if they pay a dividend, it actually gets compounded. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why that sure. 10.5% actually makes sense over long periods of time for for a large business to grow. So... Well, and look, don't don't hear me say you need to take equity out of your home and go put money in the stock market when it's at an all-time high. While that's that's part of what we're doing here, that is not necessarily the, the idea behind this because what what we're trying to do is number one, give you a benefit of reducing your tax liability. So, right. you know, you you are going to get the interest deduction on the mortgage potentially. You're going to not have to take as much from retirement accounts in which you're paying ordinary income tax on like we were saying earlier. Uh, there's a lot of side benefits here that you will get in addition to allowing your tax-deferred money to continue growing tax-deferred. Like you've, you've, I mean, that was the reason you put the money in that type of an account in the first place. Sure. Right? Yeah, and don't hear us to say mm-hmm. either. I mean, because there is a psychological component to this, and a lot of people would view this as, you know, you take the money out of your house, you put it in an account, you can all of a sudden see the value of it where you can't it's harder to conceptualize the value in your home, whereas you put it in a bank account or in an investment account where you've got stocks and bonds and cash, and you say, oh, 
Mm-hmm. I'm rich. Yeah. <laughs> I can go spend it, but yeah, that's not, not about that. that. It's more yeah. about using this money to help offset what you would otherwise have to draw from retirement assets potentially or even other taxable assets, but just adding to your your wealth, to, so to speak, but not, not changing your lifestyle, but using this money to help offset the withdrawals from... Yeah. Well, and, and from, the, from the behavioral component of this, think about it like this. All your life, you're working to try and pay the mortgage off, right? You need that paycheck to come in so you can pay down your mortgage. If you do this and you are having a hard time sleeping or getting peace of mind because you've got this mortgage back and you worked all your life to pay it off, you got the money in the bank now. Right. Go take it out and pay it back off. But I don't yeah. think you're going to – once you see the benefit flow through to your tax return and the additional liquidity that you have, again, if, if I'm not planning to sell the stock or the home for that matter – if we do come into a downturn in the market, whether it be in the housing or the stock market, I don't care necessarily that those values have fallen because the dividend yields, if you're investing like we invest, right. are going to be safe and well covered. So that income is going to continue coming in, and that interest that you're paying on the money you borrowed is going to be easily offset by those dividends. And so as long as you're not being forced to sell the stock or the home when markets are down, this should not be something that presents a lot of risk. I mean, there yeah, is a risk associated with well, it. Well, sure, and, and let's let's make sure that you remember what what we were talking about. You you want to make sure that maybe you put in fixed income investments. Have to that laddered uh, amount that will be the payment yeah. for the That's mortgage that you have just done. You you've got it in safe investments, and you know just make sure that you uh, you you buy high quality yep. uh, bonds F- and FDIC and, insured. Keep them under the uh, limits. Yeah, if they're CDs, exactly. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, you know, municipal bonds uh, that that uh, very seldom go bust, yeah. I, you know, at, at certain uh, rating levels. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, just high quality investments that are going to mature at a time that gives you uh, basically cash flow matching, so that you can pay off the mortgage as you go. Sure. Yeah. It's just that you have it in a in, in a an account now, and mm-hmm. anything that's in excess of the payments. Which there will be some generally. Right. Um, you can go out and invest and grow your wealth. Well, and people worry about the logistics of it. Like I, I don't want to have to. I don't want to owe the bank any more money and have to deal with the payment and all this stuff. And when we show them that, hey, this this truly is as easy as if I ladder out those fixed income instruments you were just talking about, Troy. Say six months apart. So every six months, I've got money coming due that provides liquidity for the next six months of payments, and then set up a recurrence on your account to pay the bank each month. Nobody, the advisor, the client, or anyone else for that matter, is having to do anything because yeah, this it's can all this automated. can be automated pretty easily. And uh, right. I mean, so that that part of it shouldn't really you know be a, a consideration. Yeah, it is part of that behavioral battle you're talking it about. It is, and that yeah. that's part of it. And and you know. And if you're not comfortable with this, then don't do it. You know, but at the, that's true. You got to be able to sleep at night. Sure. I mean, know. the bottom line is that we want you to be comfortable with what we're doing, and we think we've got some sound judgment and reasoning behind why we would want to do it that we can explain to you. But but there is also going to be people, and you you guys out there may be one of them. If you you need to, if not, if you don't know whether you are, you need to probably work with a financial planner to help you figure this out. But some people have to consider this potentially because of what the longevity of their money shows. You know, if you at, let's say, age 65, 70, run a financial plan and it looks like you have a good chance of running out of money before the end of your life, well, then why would you not consider something like this early on when 
it's optimal time or an opportune time to do so, right? I mean, some people are looking at this and they're they're confronted with this situation when they still, you don't want to be confronted with it when you know you're going to run out. You want to do it when if there's even a slight chance and you need to do this, now is the time to consider it. You and have if the you're flexibility just, to shop for rates. Yes, and then, you know, 100%. It's not a situation where the value of your home has declined or rates have gone way up. And, and you're probably going to do better than you would with a reverse mortgage, mm-hmm. um, you know, by, by just refinancing and oh. staying in the home. Almost you have an asset. Time. You have an asset that, uh, you know, would go to your heirs. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, there's a lot of positives here. Yeah, because, look, if, you, if all you have besides after-tax money, or excuse me, if you don't have any after-tax money and all you have is the tax-deferred assets, every time you need a dollar, you probably got to pull dollar twenty-five, dollar thirty, yeah, or more. Yeah, you got to cover the tax, right? And that's why you run out quicker. That's why you need to have diversity in the the type of accounts you have, just like you do your investments. And this helps you to do that and could really give you a, a lot longer period of, uh, you know, having that money last. Right. And uh, one last thing, I know, um, you know, you guys were talking about not knowing the value of the the liquidity in your assets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell you from experience, Casey and I do quite a bit of work for uh, individuals who are looking to exit their business. Uh, sure. So, you know, right now there's a lot of baby boomers that are that are looking to retire. They own their business. Uh, they need a buyer. They might be passing it on to the next generation. When you do a business valuation, you can go out in the market and see how the difference in price of a stock that's not listed on the market and that very same stock, once it does get listed, guess what? The price of illiquidity comes out most of the time in the mid-20 percentile range. So you might be looking at assets, the, those that are liquid versus those that are not. Yeah. 25% yeah. differential. That's I mean, huge. That's, that's a is, big deal. It is big. All right, guys. Well, I don't know that we have time again for any more of uh of uh, our questions, and I hate we didn't get to it, but, uh, you know, for next week, if you want to get in touch with us, you can always call 770-429-9166. If you have questions about this, uh, KC and Jarrett would always love to hear from you and uh, and help you out. But uh, in the meantime, enjoy fall, and uh, we'll be back next week. Guys, what do you think, market up or down this week? After the cut, I think it's got to be up. Yeah, market's up. Yeah, there we go. Three ups. You know me. I'm always a broken record. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. We'll be back next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments, It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.